What does Gil from Finding Nemo? Detective Elway from Dexter. Walking Dead Daryl Dixon and Potatoes have in common. How about a 1999 Look at the Irish flick, Boondock Saints? We drink back to before Daryl was splitting zombie skulls with his powerful crossbow, and the voice of a Moorish idolfish tickled our funny bone. An underrated cult classic that Miramax scrapped but grew in popularity. We still love every bit of this underdog vigilante film. With a shot of Irish whiskey and some potatoes, we may not be Irish, but let's drink as we wish on this episode of Cinema in Sugar. Cinema in Sugar. Howdy do! What's cracking, sugar cubes? We'd like to welcome our sweet sugary co-host, Aaron. Hi! And uh, we'd like to welcome back Jim, our special guest. But he's not here. He's a he's a method actor, and so he actually <laughs> went out last night and uh, drank until four in the morning. And uh, it's in, too, in, in, it's, in an attempt to get in the mood of uh, Boondock Saints. And he couldn't make it. He, he tried to find some Russians to light on fire and then beat to death as well, too, but he couldn't find any around here. So, so it was, uh, so unfortunately, Jim, we hope you feel better. You will hopefully be felt better, felt better. I by mean, the time I, you listen to this episode. Yeah, hopefully the hangover will be over by then. <laughs> but good call on Jim uh, for not driving all the way from Stevensville up here uh, in the state that he was in. Uh, very good choice. Good job, Jim. Very responsible. Yes. Thank very, you. Very Thank much. you for setting the tone uh, for an amazing movie like this and getting drunk for us. Because myself does not drink that much anymore because my body goes into a two to three, two to two week hangover and I'm good. I I also um, am a little bit of a method actor and decided to go drinking last night. And I literally got here right when he was waking up. No, no, you getting here woke me up. I woke him up, <laughs> and I thought I was running late. Anyways, hey, spoiler alert. If you have not seen this movie, Boondock Saints, pause this episode of Cinnamon Sugar. Go watch Boondock Saints and watch it, and then unpause Cinnamon Sugar, and then listen to us fully. You Attention. have been warned. Attention. The following are movie spoilers. Stop listening now if you don't want to be spoiled. We like to do that uh, before every episode if, if you're a first-time listener because I don't like movies that are spoiled. Even yeah. though this is in 1999, it's an older movie. I don't want to spoil it for people. Yeah, and it's with, I mean, it's a cult classic that actually ended up getting a sequel because of the cult following that it got yes and i have so much juicy behind the scenes that i didn't realize about this movie that uh maybe you did not know aaron i i, I don't know anything about behind the scenes of and all you sugar also. cubes um about to blow your mind but pitch me the movie in one sentence aaron oh, since, crap. since jim isn't here you can blame it on him damn it jim Ah. And, and, a, and if you don't know what a pitch is in a film, in filmmaking, a pitch is a concise, verbal, and sometimes a visual presentation of an idea for a film or TV series in hope of attracting 
finances to pay for the writing of the screenplay. So just money for the movie. So, Aaron, right, I want to invest in a movie. Pitch it to me. It's a sales pitch. All right, let me see. Uh, first off here, take this shot of Jameson. <laughs> what a thing, he said. Look. Two Irish brothers thrown into a hard situation find their true meaning in life, which is to rid the earth of evil. Dude. That's like pretty much the. Give yourself like a bunch of dings for that one. Sound, sound clip. Yeah, dude. Okay, so this is this is the actual the, the movie pitch. Two Irish Catholic brothers become vigilantes, vigilantes, and wipe out Boston's criminal underworld in the name of God. It's it's pretty dang close to what you said. It was yeah. different words, but it, like, yeah. the same meaning, dude. And that is the movie. That is the movie. And Boom. Nice. Thank you for listening to Cinnamon Sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Tune in next time. <laughs> that, was, that was great. That was great. <laughs> Boondog Saints. Okay, so um, before we dive into the behind the scenes, we're talking about potatoes on this uh, for the sugar on this podcast. Um, potatoes, it was, it was either that or corned beef and cabbage, but you know what? And the, about the, the reason we went with potatoes is because there's a scene in the movie after they kill their first people and the, the police are looking for them. And one of the uh, the detectives is like, they're long gone by now. They're like two scared bunnies. They're just hiding. So if you want to beat your head against a wall, then all you got to do is take a potato and drag it through South Boston. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> That was good, dude. <laughs> so we decided to hit. Uh, I we're going to talk about the potato famine, um, but then I've I've got some other facts about potatoes. So now let's dive into the history of food. So the Irish potato famine, also known as the Great Hunger, it actually began in 1845. When a fungus-like organism called Phytophthora infestans, or P. infestan, is spread rapidly throughout Ireland. And the infestation actually killed up to one half of the potato crops that year. And about three quarters of the crop over the next seven years. Oh. So it just started wiping out the taters. Poor, poor Larry the Cable Guy. Right? <laughs> or Ron White. They're just, they're just dead now. <laughs> they're just dead now. They got the pee infestants. <laughs> right. that, sounds, that sounds like a urinary tract infection. Right? Well, so, like, um, a lot, and then, of course, everyone, the, the Irish people, they relied heavily on the potatoes. It's the source of their food. So the infestation had a huge impact on Ireland and its population. And before it ended in 1852, the potato famine resulted in the death of roughly how many Irish? Uh, 13 million. Oh, Man, do you like the Irish? Because it wasn't that high. <laughs> it wasn't that high? No. Oh, I guess so. I guess I never really put a number on uh, thinking about the potato famine and how it, like, I honestly didn't even think that it killed people, which... That well, was, I, I know the, I know it killed people, but... I know the potato famine is one of the uh, main reasons for the high influx of Irish um, 
people moving to the to the United States was because they they couldn't get they were starving. So they're like, well, screw it, let's go across the pond and you know try and make a living there. At least there's food. So one million people died from starvation, and then roughly another million were forced to leave their homes as refugees. Yeah. Refugees. Refugees, and yep. that's and that's why we now celebrate St. Patty's Day in America. Because yeah, because. Which yeah. is actually kind of funny because uh, in Ireland, St. Patrick's Day is a highly religious holiday. Bars are closed. <laughs> We're America and our alcohol. Bars, like literally, we've talked they, about they, they close all the bars down in <laughs> Ireland on St. Patrick's Day as a day of religious remembrance. And uh, the whole green, not associated with St. Patrick, actually, St. Patrick's favorite color was actually purple. See, America's Americans just making up their holidays. Just they just form a holiday around drinking. We just we take cultural appropriation and just turn it into a drinking game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so so basically, that's that's the potato famine. I have like just like a couple more things do have, about do you the have potatoes. Any facts on, so I heard of something like a while ago that like. Potatoes are just pretty, they're pretty much cloned. There's actually hundreds. So there's actually like over, over, there's like over, over a hundred types of potatoes. There's like okay. different types of potatoes. And I actually um, spoke with somebody a few years back that actually was a potato farmer. She was a potato scientist. I don't know what her actual job was. She works down in that Idaho research area. She's a spud scientist. Yeah, she's a spud scientist. She's a scientist who works on Spudnik. She, she, <laughs> she might as well be because they literally take different categories. Like, like say, uh, say there's a gene in like pears that make them. Stay. Oh, she's like a GMO potato. Yeah, they, they literally are piecing together different traits into a potato for it to last for certain reasons or taste a certain way. And this is how you get attack of the killer potatoes, right dude. There. It is. It's. It's. It blew my mind. I was like, oh, "What?" And she's like, "And then, then she was. She. She's like, well, I can't talk about certain things because I have contracts with certain companies.' Okay, lady. An NDA. All right. If you okay, if you are listening to this podcast, this female that Jared is talking about, you better. You better be working on a way to get potatoes to taste like bacon. Potato bacon. It'd be like a... Uh, <laughs> Could you imagine how much weight... Potato skins. It's just you just cut it and it tastes like potato. Could, could you imagine how much weight people would be losing if we could make potatoes taste like bacon? But aren't potatoes... They're high in starch. Isn't that bad for Yeah, but losing bacon's weight? high in fat. Did you know bacon fat? If you use that bacon grease as like a cooking oil mm-hmm. or like a like like butter or whatever, it's actually uh, something is better about the bacon grease. Okay, well in that case, like I think it's lower in something. All right, all right. better than butter. All right, potato scientists. I want to say calories hook. or saturated fat. I don't know. Potatoes, Look it up. I'm po- <laughs> potato scientists, you're off the hook. Zucchini scientists make it taste like bacon. Like bacon. Yeah, I want a bacon zucchini. I'm serious. Do it. Like, like what's besides, like just growing up zucchini. What is the only other way to eat zucchini besides throw it in the garbage? You turn it into noodles. (laughs) Then you can use it. You can use it as a noodle, 
uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Replacement. No, uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I, there's just something about the al dente of pasta. If you cook it right, you can get that al dente. It's just I don't know. There's something about have, it. Have you know. never had my zucchini yes, lasagna? Yes, it was delicious. But yeah. I just I don't know. I just it's not the same thing. Like you go to the store and you get like vegan you're sausage, right? right? And vegan sausage, and you're like, oh, this looks legit because it's expensive. And then you're just like, it smells like it while you're cooking it. But then you bite into it and it tastes like you're just chewing like on a finger. Yeah, so I, it's a weird combination. I don't. I, I my, I'm about texture in my mouth, I, see, like how it feels against my teeth. Yeah, you're you're about the umami factor. It's like, mm, mm, like just. I, I will I will agree that that zucchini noodles never get as crisp as actual noodles. Yeah, they never they because you without burning them you don't get that nice crunch like with a normal lasagna. You get that those outer edges. You get that nice crunchy yeah. noodle. Yeah, that's true. You, you don't get that with zucchini lasagna, but I will say the zucchini lasagna. Reheats a hell of a lot better than regular lasagna. I, I can see that because it's like the consistency in the zucchini is part of the plant, so therefore it's not going to get mushy just like pasta. So, if it gets overcooked, it's going to be about the second or third. Something like this. About the like the the third time that you actually like reheat. If you like reheat in the oven the zucchini lasagna, you do start getting that little bit of the crispiness. And that's the kind that I, I like the crispy. See, I, you would you would really like the leftovers then, because you got to reheat it once and then reheat it again, and then reheat it one more time in the oven, and then that's when you get that nice crisp. That does sound good. Mm. It make me hungry. You're gonna have to make make this food you're talking about. Oh yes. So the potato yes. famine. That's uh, that's all I have on the potato famine because that's I don't know I don't know I didn't want to really dive more into it. So do you have an exact but, number uh, of how many types of potatoes there? Are? Well, I got some I got some other uh, interesting facts about potatoes. Okay. So many people assume that potatoes are Irish. No. no. Or at least come from Idaho. <laughs> but they actually originated in uh, Inca. The Inca Indians in Peru were the first ones to cultivate potatoes around eight. 1000 BC to 5000 BC. And this vegetable wow. made its way to Europe aboard the Spanish conquistador ships around 1570 and they fucking Spanish. They just go around and steal everything. And so they planted them in Spain and then they became like a main crop and live feed, a livestock feed. Isn't that like how tomatoes got there too? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, basically it's the, the conquistador just went around and just stole everything and Spanish are like, hmm, this tastes good. You will work for me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, potato chips. Yes. Do you know how they came about? Um, Somebody was making scalloped potatoes and then uh, accidentally knocked over a plate of potatoes into a frying oil. No, I'm, I'm just making up this fact, but uh, um, scalloped potatoes didn't... Uh, occur until after this situation oh okay <laughs> i'm just kidding i don't know man but that's a good <laughs> one though because yeah scalp potatoes it's like meh, meh, meh. It's potato slices yeah. yeah uh but so this is just according to interweb always check my facts because who knows if they're right uh but the story goes in 1853 george crumb he was the head of kitchen of carrie moon's lake house in saratoga new york a place where railroad mogul cornelius vanderbilt liked to dine I like the way you say Cornelius. 
Cornelius wasn't a fan of the thick-cut potatoes on his plate. So, one day, he was like, ah, get, get these thick potatoes away from me. Sent them back to the kitchen. Bah. A move that annoyed the chef. I believe Mr. Crumb. So, in retaliation, Crumb sliced the potatoes as thinly as he could. Mm-hmm, being mischievous. He fried them in oil with some salt and then turned them into crispy potatoes. Ah-ha-ha! Vanderbilt will not like these. Ain't. He loved them. And the chef's revenge turned out to be one of the genius, one of the most America's most popular inventions of snack foods of all time. And the reason why there's so many overweight people. Yeah, so I guess Crumb was like, ah-ha, overall, suckas. Crumb's like, I discovered this. It's mine. You so, will work for me. So is is that why when you eat potato chips amazingly on the couch and then it gets all over your shirt and everything, they call them crumbs? Maybe that's the, maybe the chef cursed. All right, fine. Whoever eats these will get crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever they go. Like if you eat this before a business meeting, you will have crumbs on your shirts. People will know what you've been doing. <laughs> crumbs. So, you know, yeah, so so now chips like like you know really drive obesity in America, right? Um but the Yeah, inc- let's let's just blame the chips. <laughs> let's just just the chips. <laughs> We're but never you, gonna get Pringles as a sponsor now. <laughs> well, dude, I, I don't think Pringles are even potatoes, dude. They so how they do theirs is they grind up the potato first and then put it into a form. That's how they end up getting the same shape every time. So it is potato, but it's not sliced potato. It's like mashed potato. Then mashed potato chips, mashed mm-hmm. potato chips, mashed potato chips. Well, that's not bad. But so, did you know that I didn't know this? Did did you sugar cubes know this, Aaron? Did you know this that um that the Incas actually used potatoes for medicinal reasons? I was hoping you were going to say they used them as a power source <laughs> to help fuel their communication technology with the UFOs. <laughs> That's how they created Sputnik. Actually, the Incas' the original plans were drawn on rock with potatoes about potatoes of sending a potato into space. Oh, really? <laughs> no. Wow. <laughs> the Incas in the space race long before the U.S. Inca, Binka, Bottle of Inca. Cork fell out and they stink. Where did we get? How did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> so they are. So the, the Incas, they used, uh, they actually, they they had a, a tuber with them at all times. And it, cause it, it could uh, prevent um, rheumatism and help soothe the toothache. Like, how would you use a, to- like a potato to- for a toothache? They just whack you with it? Uh, well, I I know that if you have, like, a broken tooth, biting into a potato and then, like, ripping the potato out will actually help remove the tooth that way. So they said that they're using a raw potato for healing elements from break- from healing broken bones to easing frostbite to helping clear up blemishes on the skin. I can't remember. There, there is a, an old, like, wives' remedy Involving potato, like rubbing, you take a potato, cut it in half, and then you rub the the open halves on like the bottom of your feet for something like that, and it actually does help uh, with like sore feet or something like that. And then you just make it into cut fries and cook them, so you just got the salt already on them. Yeah, there you go. Bada bing, bada boom. Get, get get a little Parmesan flavor as well, you know, from the the foot cheese. 
got some. That's how you just have like a twice baked potato. Just has some like from toe jam in there. It's <laughs> gross. No, so but it says right here that that you take if you take the the water from a batch of boiled potatoes, you can rub it on areas for aches and pains to ease them. Nice. Sore areas. Never thought of, <laughs> dude. Can you imagine if, like, we were younger? Mom's like making mashed potatoes. You're like, oh man, my thighs are just so achy, and she's like, take some of this potato water. So, uh, <clears throat> here's a cotton ball. Rub it on it. If you're if you're ever making a sauce and you oversalt it, and you take a potato and you cut it in half and put it in the sauce, it will soak up a lot of that salt. So that could also be how it could, you know, if you're like. If your blood sodium level is too high or something like that, you know, cut yourself and then put them right there and it'll take some of the salt out of you. Let's see if it works. Yeah. If you got, got some salt in, salt in a wound, or don't, please do not cut yourself, people. Right. <laughs> don't please do that, do please. Not cut yourself. We, do, we, we, don't, we don't suggest that. You know, okay. Um, I got to remind you of something after we get out of this segment, so. Okay, well, we are. Um, that that is that is that is it for history of food and potatoes. You're right. Fine. Okay. <laughs> so now we're gonna move on to some movie facts. But since Jim's not here, oh, hold on. I want to ask you questions after your thought. Okay, so uh, we had talked about this outside of recording, and uh, uh, we missed the spot where we were supposed to do it. Uh, we gotta do some updates since we don't have Jim oh. here. We gotta do an update. Those are those are in the. Uh, I have those since okay. So when I write these show stuff, I don't have them numbered properly of recording, and so the the other I do have facts, but they're in the other episodes. Oh, okay. Well, right now I wanna. I I met uh, one of probably one of our younger listeners uh, a couple weeks ago. I was DJing a. Uh, uh, eighth grade promotion party and whatnot, and uh, come to find out that uh, one of the the kids there is a big fan of the podcast. Oh heck yeah! Uh, she is uh, one of my other DJs uh, for my DJ company. Uh, Josh, his daughter, uh, Aaliyah. Aaliyah, shout out to uh, our probably our youngest listener right there. What's so. up, Aaliyah? Thanks for listening. And we also try to keep this as clean as possible to our own taste. Yeah, but, but that, uh, that doesn't always fucking happen. Uh, so, <laughs> whoopsies, whoopsies. So shout outs, but yeah, we have um, listened to the other episodes uh, that are coming up because we have some shout outs to uh, all y'all that listen, all you sugar cubes, um, comments on our Facebook pages and uh, responses to our questions and just uh, open discussions and thoughts and insights to uh the movies yeah and you know uh hop on hop on the facebook group the um sugar cubes sugar cubes sugar cubes it's the it's the uh fan site for it's the private group actually you have to you have to answer some questions to be able to become a member of the sugar cubes but uh we're both in there so if you you know comments suggestions uh i actually just heard from a listener um a little bit ago that uh, on some of the movie uh, scenes, they have a hard time hearing it. So that's the kind of stuff that we need to know. Oh, yes. Yeah. Feedback. So that way you guys can enjoy the uh, this uh, this podcast every, to every, its fullest extent. Yeah. Every piece of feed. Well, we, we enjoy feedback. Um, live Instagram. Feed. Hi. Live feed. What's up? Um, 
people are probably commenting on there and we can't see it because it's all the way over there. Uh, well, we'll get to it. We're experimenting with this uh, whole live feed. Thing. Yeah, we're doing we're doing a live feed right now. But so you know things like that. Like we we enjoyed the feedback because we we want to get better. Yes, we don't we don't we don't want to be a a crappy podcast. And we are. This is our first podcast ever. And we got stickers. Yes, we have stickers now. <laughs> My ADD jumps in. <laughs> and we got stickers. Yay! Um, and soon, hopefully, we'll uh, once we figure out some shirts and whatnot, we'll, we'll probably open up a, a merch website and whatnot, so you can, you know, spread the spread the sugar, spread the love, spread the love, the cinema and the sugar, the yeah. appreciation of the film and the arts, spread the churros, y'all, you know, the cinnamon and sugar. So that brings us to movie facts and discussion. Oh yes, <laughs> someone discusses with. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Okay, Arnold. Okay. All right, Aaron. Do you? Probably not. But do you know who wrote this film? He was the writer, the director, and the composer. Uh, he played Duffy. That's that's the guy's name. He is Troy Duffy. Troy Duffy. Troy Duffy. So, in Troy Duffy, he actually, um, this was his first movie he ever wrote. And the other two. The other two uh, Boondock Saints. There's only been one other Boondock Saints. There's a third one in production. What? Spoiler alert. Just do it. Yeah, do yeah. it. When do I, it now. Because when I was doing my research, I, I looked him up and it, and it said three. I was like, three? And then I looked up and I saw it's like a Boondock Saints or something. And it's like, it has, yeah, it's, and I looked it up and it's in post-production right now. So it's, they're going to be making it. Nice. According to the interweb. So, who knows? Damn t- I mean, have you, have you seen the second one? Yeah, I've seen the second one. The second one has left us hanging like... They're in prison with all the bad people. Ding dong, motherfucker! Ding yeah. dong! Ding dong, bitch! <laughs> I love when he tries to come up with the, you know, just one of those badass moments. He's like, what should I say? Anyways, that's in the second movie. Uh, so yeah, so he's uh, he's only re- written these- Fuck you, I know shit. Right? Um, so, do you know what job Duffy was working as? It was- uh, he What had, he was doing for a living when yeah, he wrote it? when he wrote the screenplay. Uh- he was working in an Irish deli. Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah. Buzz on that one. He was actually a bartender and a bouncer at a bar. Uh, okay, that makes more sense. And cool thing <laughs> is about that is when he landed the uh, contract with was Miramax. It a, was it a bar in Boston? Yes, this was all in Boston. Nice. They were actually, um, they part of the deal was they were going to buy the bar for him. Miramax was going to be, hey, we like this. Part of the contract, we'll buy the script from you. We'll, we'll buy the script. And then on top of that, we're going to buy the bar you're currently working at for you. That's awesome. Um, I don't know if that, I think that actually fell through. Um, so. Oh, yeah. It's got to be for sale, so. Well, didn't fall through because it wasn't for sale. I was. I'm hoping that the scene that they filmed it, the the bar they filmed it at, like the very first scene, is actually the bar he worked at, because that'd be hilarious. I. That's an action. I don't know why I didn't look that up. Evan, uh-huh. that would have been cool. This would be a wonderful time. Sugar cubes. If you can find out if that is the actual case, uh, post in the the sugar cube uh, 
chat room. Where did they actually film the first bar scene? Yeah, the, like people, they... people from Boston, if you're listening to this episode, post if the, the bar that's actually in the movie is in Boston and which bar it is, because I would love to go to the bar where they lit a friggin' Russian's butt on fire. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, like what I like about that that scene is, you know, yes, the uh, the Irish caused havoc on the Russians in the bar, but they didn't start it. They, no, they no. gave every reason for them to just cool down and just have a drink. And the yeah, he's like, "Hey, man, St. Patty's Day, everybody's Irish tonight. Just you don't have yeah. to be a hard ass. Like, just come have yeah. a drink with us, man." Like, they started off with, "Hey, like, dude, calm your harsh, dude. Like, just." Hang out. Let's have some fun. Like, we can do all this shit tomorrow. Let's just hang out and have some fun. And the dude was just like, no, you go now. Yeah. And, and just like, flexing and being mean, and especially on, on St. Patty's Day. And then friggin' punched one of the guys in the face. And they're like, okay, motherfucker. Yeah. Yep. You, they started it. You threw the first punch. Now you're going to regret that. Yeah. So they, they messed him up. So here's, here's the next question for you, Aaron. Okay. In the entire movie, according to the movie... What was the body count the entire movie? <sighs> and we got to be specific as possible. Okay, uh, let's see here. There was nine in the second room, three in the first alley, three in the first alley, nine in the second room, that's 12. Then the house, there was six guys so it's 18 and then the final one i'm gonna say 17 total 17 17 total oh no wait 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 no wait How no, many, wait wait sugar 20, cubes 20 there was 20 sugar cubes I, How for, many? I, I forgot the the porn freaking booths I forgot them. I forgot the scene where Ron Jeremy gets killed. <laughs> uh, sugar cubes. What, what do you think the body count is? I'm I'm going with twenty total. Twenty total bodies. Twenty total. That's what I'm. That's what I'm remembering counting. I'll, I'll give it to you if you're within five. Oh, then I'm definitely going to stay with twenty. Then you're going to go with twenty. Yeah. Sugar cubes. Body count. Through the entire movie. Or Boondock Saints is thirty-three and one cat. <sighs> and you forgot the cat. How can I forget the cat? Your fucking precious little cat. What's his name? <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. I I have that sound bite. I didn't get to put it on the board, but I have it downloaded. Give me one second here. <laughs> I love that part. Rocco. Rocco! Where's my what? cat? Oh god. I killed your cat. Where's my cat? I killed your cat, you druggy bitch. God. What? Why? I felt it would bring closure to our relationship. <laughs> you killed my my yeah, you're, you're, you're what? You're what? <laughs> you're what? I will shoot myself in my fucking head if you can name that cat. <laughs> Skimmy, oh, what color was it, bitch? <laughs> Dude, you sound like him. <laughs> and, then, and then her friend, hey, don't you talk to her like that. He's like, shut your fat ass, Ravy. I can't go buy a pack of smokes without running into nine guys you fucked. <laughs> Dude, you sound so good. <laughs> 
movie. <laughs> Dude, that was good. All right, Sugar Cubes, that was pretty sweet. Like, didn't he sound like him? He sounded like David Della Rocco. Ro- 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 Rocco. I, th- I think it's funny as shit that he- they actually used his actual name. And that's what I was about to ask you. Yeah. I'm like, because, yeah, so the character David Della Rocco is named after the actor who actually plays him because the character was based on and written for him. That's awesome. So Troy Duffy wrote this movie for Mr. Rocco right there. That's awesome. So, uh, so yeah, so, um, uh, 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 my next, my next, next one question for you, Aaron, this is a, I'm starting to come across this and I think it's a, it's a new thing I'm going to do for when we go into movie trivia, um, compared to Pulp Fiction, when they use the word fuck, oh God, 265 times. How many times in this movie, Boondock Saints, did they the word fuck and its derivatives were used a total of? I'm gonna, it's what, a, what the fuck? How did you fucks do fucking fucks? How did you fucking fuck? Well, it definitely shows the diversity of the word. <laughs> so... Do you think it's more or less than Pulp Fiction's two hundred and sixty-five times? So, so let me let me get this right. Your new your new thing is going to be we're going to start ranking movies in curse word and the word yeah. "fuck" and its derivatives. Okay, so we have the fuck leaderboard. Yep, pretty much. And we're seeing where this one sits. Yep. Uh let's see here. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna say that it was used. More than in Pulp Fiction. That's what I thought too. Pulp Fiction's at 260. 265 times. 265 times. So I'm gathering from what you said that Boondock Saints was not ahead of Pulp Fiction. So I'm going to put it in the two. Give me a specific number. 225. Uh, You're about 21 off. Two. Oh four? Two forty six. Two forty six? It was like right there close oh, to so Pulp close. Fiction. When I was when I was looking up the facts, I was like, wait a second. I think that might be more than Pulp Fiction. And then nope, it wasn't. I'm like, dang it. All right, so right now in the leaderboards, we have Pulp Fiction in first place. So far from uh, from our past episodes of, yeah. of the podcast. The, so the, the one the movies that we have reviewed and, and uh I've done podcasts for, uh Pulp Fiction is ranking number one at two sixty five. With the with with the most fucks given. Yep. Yep. The most fucks given. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so but Boondock Saints is a close yes. second. Yes. Close very, second. Very very close now second. later on if we go to include the Boondock Saints trilogy or even just the the sequels the boondock saints franchise will have had more fucks than pulp fiction for sure well yeah but for one movie but if we're gonna do that then we have to include all of quentin tarantino movies and that yeah that, that, it's gonna get sticky yeah there's gonna be a lot of f words in uh all of quentin Tar- quentin tarantino re- 
he paints a wonderful picture and his favorite color is fuck. I, I, I agree with that one. He knows yeah. how to use it too. Uh, and so it's just because there's, you can tell that it's like when they use the word fuck in like out well, of context, it's like listening to a little kid trying to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're like, uh, Sam, you're just saying that you're, you're not even using it in context. Well, Sam, Sam Jackson, motherfucker. he has actually like shown how you could use the word, uh, motherfucker as like a loving, like in, in a, it's there a, was an interview. He's, he's, he's like, you can use that. That is the most diverse word. You can use it to sh- explain. You can show anger. You can show sympathy. It's like, you can motherfucker. Show, you like, can show yeah. love. Like, he's like, you can, yeah, show, you, can, you can show romance with it. And the guy was like, well, how would you do that? And he's like, I love you, motherfucker. I love you, motherfucker. And she's just like, <laughs> oh, like the interviewer is just like, Oh, that was beautiful. Right. Well, it's like, okay, women, correct me if I'm wrong, and this is just information that I've gotten from women. Um, the word bitch, um, women use it uh, with towards other women. It's like the, it's it's like, it's like a universal word that they can use. But like it's it can also, be insulting, it can be loving, it can be a term of endearment, it can and, be all that stuff. But women call other women that. And it's also it's got the same kind of context as motherfucker because. Some people find it very offensive. Yeah. But then other people use it in its great diversity. Yes. And those people get along way better with other people who use it in its great diversity. And there's if you use bitch in its great diversity, motherfucker also gets used in... Boom. It's, it's like the expansion pack for the English language. Right. Yeah, it's it, it, it works. It really does work. I like those words, and it's in. I, it's just, Aaron. What's your favorite cuss word? Oh, uh, to I don't get to say my favorite cuss word because there's not a lot of situations where I actually. Um, so, it, it it would be cunt. It'd be that one. Yeah. Oh but, no! Don't listen but, to that word. But but not the U.S version of that word the over the over across the pond yeah the 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 british the australian the the colonized yeah you know their use of it because it's it's more like the it's more like motherfucker you know yeah. sort of thing it's more of a i don't know it, it's it's got a more fun usage over there uh, true. okay okay it's like it's like the word asshole here like, yeah. it was like, what's up, assholes? You yeah. know, friggin' same sort of thing. Yeah. But asshole doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't have, it doesn't feel the same as, you know, what's up with you cunts? You know, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, it's, it's my, so mine's, mine's just fuck, because I can use it with anything in, in, and, all, in all contexts. And that's, I like, I like to go with the ones that are. That's what just naturally comes out if I get my hand, like, burned with hot water scientific scientific study shows that swearing actually does help with pain it's funny that you mentioned that because i because i cussed yesterday while leanne and i were cooking because we're, we're working with grease right mm-hmm. and my fingers are very sensitive and so like every time and I had to roll it because we we're making some mexican food is delicious we we're just like flying so some tortillas were involved 
So it was, they had flash fried the tortilla, and then you had to roll it up, and then I had to put meat. So it's like hot grease already flash fried. So while it's still hot, I have to like throw meat in it and roll it up, and then you actually fry it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, every time my fingers touch that hot grease, it hurt. I'm like, fuck, I'm like, fuck, I'm like, damn. And, uh, and I was just like thinking about how people like try to not swear all the time or swear at all, and they're like, flip and flip. It's like you just uh, – and then Leandra and I were talking, and like, and she said at her work, you know, sometimes um, she helps people with uh, rehab and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they say, sometimes, hey, sometimes you just got to say fuck. Like it's just – it's a release. It's a – you know, you don't have to like just – be derogatory about it or like towards somebody, but it, it's releases something. You some, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes a verbal release is the only thing that you can get. Yeah, like screaming into a pillow or something. It does help. I'll yeah, tell you that yeah, much. Yeah. So and, and so the scientific study I saw, they actually they actually had somebody put one hand in like extremely hot water and then like not swear and like see how long they could do it. Before they had to pull their hand out. Nope. And then another, and then the, hot water. The oh, other oh. one, the other one, they put the other hand in the hot water, and then swore as much as they could, and they were able to actually stand the pain for like twenty percent longer when they swore, and they did this with like a bunch of different people. Yeah, because like while you're in pain, if you just you know if you can swear a little bit, you're just like. That's why you Let's see a lot out. of swearing in action movies because there's a lot of pain yeah. that happens in some of those situations. <laughs> it just it just makes sense. Like we get your fingers shot off by a freaking dude with six guns, you know. Getting blasted. <laughs> just terrible. <laughs> so you know, so a lot of that stuff, like like just, you know, getting shot up and uh that's what inspired Mr. Duffy here to write this is when he saw a drug dealer take money from a corpse across the hall from his apartment. So he saw that and inspired him to write this movie of like, hey. Is is the drug dealer the one that killed the guy too? <laughs> I Does it say? Doesn't say it. I don't know. But I would say probably yeah. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. So one one of one of the other lines from the movie that I was able to get the sound file for, um, it it kind of it kind of embodies the whole reason why I love this movie. Okay, and this is from like the first scene of the movie, uh, and it's the priest that's saying it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna play it. What you hear? Now we must all fear evil men. But there is another kind of evil which we must fear most. And that is the indifference of good men. So the that story he was talking about, about the lady getting... Um, Kitty, uh, Kitty Gervaisa. Yeah, that was actually that was actually based on a true story. No, it is entirely a true story. the The name and everything, and it happened in the nineteen seventies. Um, but she, he says that uh, she was attacked. She was actually like raped, raped. and murdered by a serial rapist in nineteen sixty four. And like the guy had time to like leave and then come back and then do it again. And there was people who were there the entire time. And that is actually, um, that story is one of the things that led to a, a, a research that led to the discovery of what they call the standby of the, uh, 
It's a bystander phenomenon. Bystander effect, yeah. The bystander or the uh, Genevesi, Genevis syndrome. Genevesa. Yeah, Genevesa. It's steaming from the inability to take action and to know whether action has already occurred. And um, it's just, that's why, I don't know, it's not in me to just stand by and think that someone else is going to take care of it. No. That's, no. I think that we get that from our dad. We we step in and hey, it's not okay. No, you don't. You don't. If you stand by and let something happen when you have the ability to act and stop it, you are just as bad as the person who did it. Yep, absolutely. And that that is one of the, that is one of the main points of Boondock Saints. That is like the main message in the movie and that's one of the reasons why i freaking love this movie because one there's something just that seriously draws me to a good vigilante movie okay because sometimes like yeah the cops are there to you know stop bad things from happening but sometimes it's, they, it's, they're, it's they're not enough it's, it's it's either not enough or they don't have the they don't they the, have their hands tied the police are a band-aid and when you need to have freaking surgery done the police are not they're not good enough that's why like batman is such like a popular character and whatnot and why like uh so we come from we we're from montana okay and montana has a huge vigilante um history yeah Uh, and so, like, you know, we come from a vigilante society. You know, it's like sometimes the law isn't always there to take care of it. And sometimes the law can't do what needs to be done to take care of it because they have to follow the law. And sometimes what needs to be done is people need to get shot in the face. It, you know, or punched <laughs> in the face. Uh, you know, so with that being said, though, the the story in the movie... And why we love it so much also kind of shines of how this movie w- came about and how it was made. And, and uh, so when this movie was written by Troy Duffy, he was a bartender and he actually um, Miramax films head, Mr. Harvey Weinstein. Oh, God, he not guy. only bought the script, but signed Duffy to direct it. And his band actually, so Troy Duffy had a band, and he they also did the score for the movie, and they agreed to purchase the bar, like I said, um, uh, for Weinstein and Duffy to co-own. Unfortunately, Duffy quickly somehow made the deal go south, and that put the script into a turnaround where it eventually was um, picked up, uh, and it was produced for less than half the budget offered by Miramax. And that also limited their theatrical release. So so what happened was um, he actually, Troy Duffy flew to New York City to meet with Edwin McGregor and to offer him one of the lead roles. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got to drinking one night and they got into an argument over the death penalty. So McGregor passed on the movie. So I guess he had ties with Miramax. And so that basically was so when he was like, no, I don't want to do it. Miramax like, just kidding. And they put in a turnaround. And a turnaround is the status of a project when a studio decides not to develop it further and offers it to other studios to recoup development costs. So he basically was an underdog even while filming. It was his first time. 
he, he and it was first time writing, first time directing, first time composing anything, right? So when they ran the film, they only were able to release it in five theaters opening day, five theaters, okay. which earned them $30,000, $30,471. But what made it grow was the success of the blockbuster release. Yeah. And that's what and then that's what grossed to a five million dollar video sales. Yeah, because I, I never saw this movie in, in theaters. Yeah. The the very first time I ever saw this movie, it was literally somebody going, dude, you haven't seen Boondock Saints yet? Yeah. Here, here's my VHS tape. Yep. You gotta watch this. And it wasn't, and it wasn't just because of Miramax that was released in only five theaters, uh, but it it was because it was a month after the Columbine massacre, and so there were so perfect example of people timing, people thinking timing. that society wouldn't like this movie, right? And Miramax and all these production companies didn't like. They're like, oh, it's not going to be good, right? But listen to the people, yeah, right, and. So they only released in five theaters for only one week. And then it became a cult classic from word of mouth and the DVD sales and also the follow-up of Boondock Saints, the second All Saints Day. It's a it's a great movie. Absolutely it, love it. Because we all want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Not we all, but quoting, a lot of us. Quoting, quoting uh, Rocco, friggin', you guys should be in every major city. <laughs> Yeah. We're like 7-Eleven. We're not always doing business, but we're always open. Right? <laughs> and so, doing also sucks is, so when Troy Duffy, he actually received no royalties from this movie due to the structure of the contract oh, that, that he signed with a distribution company. So, according to Duffy, neither he, his producers, nor principal cast got paid. So, he sued the franchise pictures and other undisclosed companies for royalties of the movie and rights to put uh, rights to the sequel. And after a lengthy lawsuit, Duffy, his producers, and the principal cast received an undisclosed amount of royalties as well as the sequel rights. Can you imagine? This is your bread and butter. This is your baby. And they go, oh, sorry. Sorry. We can't. We're not going to pay you. Yeah. So, um, sorry, but you you weren't smart about it. So we're just going to we're just going to keep bending you over. Yeah. yeah, and it was just hard to find a distributor. To, damn, damn um, lawyers! So, because they would, they threw it through uh, the the Cannes Film Festival in 1999, and nobody would take it on. The, can, can, can you I, imagine? Nobody took on Boondock Saints. Ah, oh, man, morons! And so it was, yeah. So it was just picked up for a this is this is small why, company. This is why it's the people with the money don't necessarily have the best business sense. No, because they, I understand. Like sometimes, that, sometimes you just got you got to risk the you biscuit. Gotta, you got to listen to the people. You got to risk the biscuit. Sometimes you got to be like, you know what? This isn't something that the the charts say would sell, but I feel it will. Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, I, I just I just love that how it basically was like a a finger to the to the face to Hollywood. I'm well, saying, hey, guess I think, what? I think one. I think one of the reasons why it didn't fly too well with uh, some of the Hollywood execs is because those Hollywood execs would have been on the bad side of the gun. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe on that. It's, 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 the people who love this movie the most are the ones who are the ones getting robbed or the ones that freaking like have their homes broken into or that are having a hard time making their way while these freaking criminals are, you know, just making bank and being able to get a like I, I spent two days in jail for a freaking seatbelt ticket one time. But people who are freaking raping and have lots of money freaking get out on on bail or or just don't get freaking caught because they got money to pay people off. Yeah, you know that sort of stuff. So those kind of people don't like this movie because they're the ones that get shot, and then the people like me who like I try to be a good person, but I keep getting screwed over because you know I don't have lots of money or you know stuff yeah. like that. like I. I love this movie because it's like, yeah, all those guys who are like, think that they can just do whatever they want because they got money. Yeah. Kill them. Kill them all. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's uh, it, it really is. And even, even all the interviews that I've, I've read about Troy Duffy, he is basically one of the characters. He's basically one of the characters. He goes, basically, I am who I am. And uh, if you don't like it, fuck you. And so the, the idea of a racial humor, it comes up in the scene with Rocco, you know, he tells that, that racist joke yeah and i and i feel that maybe some people didn't like that but in an interview um you're talking about the uh, i'll have a coke yeah yeah okay uh duffy retorts when they're like you know why did you tell that kind of why did you write that kind of joke he goes i figured if if, if it's funny screw you uh but then they're like oh yeah but it says the bartender who screwed up a million dollar picture deal with miramax but you know what guess what Miramax and all you other big namers, just because you got the money and this and that doesn't mean that you control the people. I think it's funny that the, the people say, "Hey, it's a it's over fifty dollars worth of uh, a sales in uh you know a sales a sale whether it's in a movie theater or a VHS tape." Sure, sure. The joke that involves a black guy, a Mexican guy, and a white guy is the one that people talk about. They don't make make any notice that they are picking on the freaking bartender with freaking Tourette's. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! Right? Us! I love how he he's he's just like you know, you're really walking you're really walking on thin ice or uh, screws up the uh, the the different sayings. <laughs> my favorite my favorite scene with that with that old bartender old uh, what is his name Mac or something like that. Yeah, the old Irish bartender. My favorite scene with that movie with that bartender is actually from the second movie. Have you seen it? Uh-uh. So well, got, I've he, seen it. Yeah. He's, I, he's got Tourette's, okay? And he, he'll he just yell, fuck. And then shortly after, he always yells, ass. Yeah. So, <laughs> in the second movie, like, you see, they've been drinking, whatnot, and friggin' uh, the, uh, not not the brother that was on walk, uh, Walking Dead. Yeah, not the brother that was on Most Walking Dead, but the other brother. Yeah. He, he's like staring at him face to face and, he's, and the bartender's like not this time you little shit and then friggin and then the brother goes why don't you and then the bartender's like fuck me in the ass <laughs> <laughs> that's funny hey did you know that um um the brother not daryl uh but the other guy yeah he was detective elway off dexter I don't remember. I don't remember him in Dexter. I do remember him in Hawaii Five O, though. Oh, really? Yeah, he was in Hawaii Five O, um, same season that you were actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I've been, I've been he sweet. he ends up getting shot like on a stakeout or something like that, 
with uh, uh, Steve's girlfriend, who then becomes a member of Five O. Oh, interesting. Yeah, small world. Yeah. Uh, so, Aaron, um, we're gonna get to the most epic scene of the movie. It is time for us to unveil the most remembered, the most repeated, the most. Epic scene of the movie. <laughs> All right, so this scene, it so, um, we haven't even talked about the fact that Willem Dafoe is in this movie yet. Yeah, and, and actually, in the uh, right when he you meet him in the movie, um, he's actually um, he wanted to be he needed to appear taller on screen, and so Willem Dafoe actually wore platform shoes during the filming. And you can actually see it in his first appearance when he crouches down near the body. So he's he's an FBI agent. He plays FBI agent Smecker, and uh, he's he's gay. Yeah, it, he, you, he, it, 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 you get that from him because there's this part where he's laying in bed with a, another another younger male, and when he gets a phone call, and uh, he's yeah. Yeah, he but he's he was always he always seems like really hateful. Towards yeah, gays. he's like he, he like like he's gay, but he's he's not like gay about it or something. I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> so uh, this is this is like one of the so there's already been um, the first scene where he's uh, investigating what happened in the alley, and that's when he first meets the two Irish brothers. Uh, shortly after that, and then there's another murder scene uh, where they kill all these mobsters in the hotel room and then there's another murder scene and then at the, like he's having a hard time figuring out who's who killed all the mobsters in the hotel room and stuff like that and he's one of those people that when he doesn't get answers he gets very frustrated so by the time this scene happens in the movie he is at his wits end about who the hell is doing this sort of thing and um so this is this is the scene um he freaks out he's having a freak out of he he's a solver and he he likes to feel accomplished and he can't feel accomplished cuz he can't figure out who is killing all these he can't, mobsters he, and he, bad he, people he knows there's a piece to the puzzle that he can't figure out what it is and it's driving him nuts and we we have this the the beginning of the scene pulled up on the screen right now and he just looks creepy as shit right now yeah. doesn't he his black <laughs> eyes they're sunken in yeah his his hair's all disheveled and stuff yeah. yeah so so here we go this is this is the scene uh for those of you who have seen the movie this is the there was a firefight scene they exited out the front door they had no idea what they were in for The three are coming out of the house. So they Del Rocco leading the now way. Now they're staring at six men with guns drawn. It was a fucking ambush. Nope, it's one guy, one old guy. This was a fucking six bomb guns dropping on Beaver Cleaverville. For a few seconds, this place was Armageddon. There was a firefight. Del Rocco dropping to his knees, grabbing his gun out of his pants. Willem Dafoe acting like he's 
directing an yeah, orchestra. He's just, just composing. Like it's a symphony of gunfight. And the men that have been, been hit. In a world where Irishmen get dropped by another Irishman. Such a such a great soundtrack to this movie. Rocco gets his thumb shot off. One of the brothers shot in the leg now. Willem Willem Dafoe is shooting his gun in the air. (laughs) Just in frustration. (laughs) But William Dafoe is like replaying the scene. He's not actually there, but you're seeing both of them. Yeah. They're spraying ammonia over the blood so that they can't get a good sample. And so it flashes in. What if there's just one guy with six guns? Why don't you let me do the thinking on genius? And so, actually, Aaron, pause it. Or oh, was that, that the end that, of it? That's the end of the scene. Yeah. So the the cop that just said maybe it's one guy with six guns. The entire movie, he has been getting every guess wrong, and William Defoe has just made him his main bitch. He's like, oh, I would like some coffee now because he over, you know, he was like, he's above him in authority. And so finally, at the end, I just caught that he actually goes, maybe it's one guy. What if it was one guy, guy with, with six, six guns? guns? Which it was, but William Defoe was like, no, it was like an. Ambush, and so he so let me do all the thinking. <laughs> Why don't you let me do all the thinking, huh? <laughs> so at the beginning of the movie, that same that same guy is he's got by far the most popular friggin' line from Boondock Saints, and you've you've heard people use it. Uh, you, even if you've never seen the movie, you've you've heard people. Where are you going? Nowhere. <laughs> Where's he going? Nowhere. I wonder if if uh, if if uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape. If Leonardo DiCaprio quoted this movie, if it was made after this movie, oh no, no, that What's Eating Gilbert Grape was made long before this movie. Oh, okay, well then they must have quoted them because when he's like, uh, when he's like, "Hey Gilbert, where are we going?" He's like, "We're not going anywhere." He was like, "We're not going nowhere. We're not going nowhere, Gilbert." <laughs> I don't remember that. Much. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I remember it from. <laughs> No, no, no. We ain't going nowhere. Where's Where's he going? Nowhere. That's right. So I guess nowhere. What, I guess so. I guess with the you know Leonardo DiCaprio as, acting mentally disabled, maybe he was just quoting him. You never go for it. <laughs> but uh, that that wraps up this episode of Cinnamon Sugar Boondock Saints and Potatoes. Uh, we want to say thank you for listening to this episode of Cinnamon Sugar. You sugar cubes. We want to thank our ghost special guest uh, Jim for. Uh, uh, inspiring us. May his liver rest in peace. <laughs> We're podcasting from Guest Room Studios. You can download Cinnamon Sugar Podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Audible, Pandora, and wherever you can find us online. Like us and subscribe to our uh, our posts on Instagram. And also feel free to join the uh, Sugar Cubes private Facebook group. 
from our mouths to your ears, that's a wrap! Okay, I'm going. Take off! See ya! What the shit?